Welcome to Elite Rugby SNC Podcast, the best podcast talking all things rugby and strength and conditioning. At Elite Rugby SNC, we provide athletes with strength and conditioning programs that provides you with everything you need to become a beast and take your game to the next level. No matter what stage of the year or season, Elite Rugby SNC has a program for you. You can try before you buy, so try our seven-day, seven-dollar trial to get a taste of what we offer here at Elite Rugby SNC. So take your game to the next level, become a beast, and join Elite Rugby SNC today. Today on the podcast, Wallabies and Waratahs Flyhoff Ben Donaldson joins me for a chat. Ben made his debut for the Waratahs in 2020 against the Western Force. In 2022, Ben debuted for Australia A in the Pacific Nations Cup, and then went on to make his test debut for the Wallabies in the Autumn Series against Italy. Outside of Super Rugby and International Rugby, Ben plays for Ramwick in the Shoot Shield Rugby Competition. We talk about his playing experience for Australia A and the Wallabies. We discuss the physical attributes needed to play 10 or 15. Ben talks about the 2023 Super Rugby season. We talk about the importance of strength conditioning training for rugby athletes. And Ben provides great advice for all rugby athletes. This was a fantastic episode and I just want to thank Ben again for joining me on the podcast. So g'day Ben, how are you? Good thanks, um, very good. Yeah, back in training at the moment, had a day off today which is nice but um, yeah, going well, how are you? Yeah, I'm going really well thanks. So what is a, a day off entitled for you Ben? What's a normal day off? Um, changes every week um, depending on weather, um, plans, if anything pops up but usually um, have a bit of a sleep in, uh, catch up on some sleep because we're up pretty early for training and stuff on other days but like to get down to the beach, have a swim, um, Obviously, now with the new facilities at the TARS, I like to get in there and have either a sauna or an ice bath um, and then just kind of get my mind away from footy. So either, you know, play some golf, um, go for a surf or just, you know, catch up with a couple of mates. Um, yeah, just anything really to, to chill out and uh, get away from footy for a bit. Man, that's awesome. How do you get on the golf range or the golf course? Are you pretty handy? Um, oh, I wouldn't say I'm handy. I, I get by. I get by, but um, yeah, I'm definitely not not the best. A couple of boys at Tars are pretty good, but yeah, I get by, which is all right. Who would be uh, the best on the golf course from the Tars? Um, that's a good question. Probably Will Harris. He's pretty handy. Um, who else? Will Harris is probably, yeah, probably my pick. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah, that new training facility looks awesome that the Waratahs have. Um, how have you been enjoying training there? Yeah, it's been unreal. It's um, Obviously, the past couple of years we've been in – uh, the demountables over the other side there at Daceyville. Um, and yeah, it's a complete, complete different change moving into these facilities. Obviously, one, you feel a lot more of a professional. Um, and I guess having all the recovery facilities, you know, bigger gym, meeting rooms, like we've got everything now. So um, yeah, it's been awesome. The boys are loving it and the coaches are loving it. And um, yeah, there's no excuses now. <laughs> No, it's awesome. I love seeing, you know, new training facilities. And just like you said, it makes you feel like a more professional athlete and can really have all the tools that you need to best prepare yourself during the week so that you can go out there on game day and perform. Yeah, 100%. So how's the body and mind traveling? Are they ready for a big rugby season? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good at the moment. I um, obviously had a, had a big season last year and had a, we got a solid break after the spring tour, five weeks off, which, um, which is perfect. Um, you know, got away, um, got my mind away from footy, um, got the body right, still trained a fair bit, but got the body right, got the mind right. And um, yeah, like we were just talking about the facilities, it's um, 
it helps uh, when you've got new facilities coming back in, makes it more enticing. And yeah, like I said, my body and my mind's all good and back into training. Had two full weeks now back with the team um, at the TARS. So ready to rip in and first trials next week, next Saturday. So um, yeah, all good to go now. That's awesome. So before we, you know, talk about that last 12 months of rugby for you, growing up as a young lad, what sports did you play and how did you end up playing rugby? Yeah, so I basically played everything under the sun, to be honest. Um, you know, before primary school, you know, playing touch footy, soccer, uh, rugby league, nippers down at the beach, um, everything. And then primary school, rugby league, cricket, um, like I said, surf life, surf rescue, um, what else? Soccer. Um, and then kind of moving through primary school into high school, soccer and rugby league were the main ones. And then obviously once you hit high school, um, there was no rugby league. I went to Waverley College, so it was just rugby union there. So then it was just cricket in summer, rugby union in winter. Um, and then they were the main two really um, all the way through until rugby union became my number one sport. Um, but yeah, a lot of sports when we were younger, which obviously helps your skill set and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm very, very um, glad that I did all that. What made you decide you want to stick with rugby union? Was it just something like because of the options available to you or you found it more enjoyable compared to the other sports? Um, I probably just, I was probably just better at it than the other sports, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I loved my cricket, played first 11 cricket at school, at high school and stuff. And that was all a lot of fun, but I, I could kind of tell from a young age, I was never really going to make it as a cricketer. Um, more for just the enjoyment factor. But yeah, I think I just started to excel in rugby in year 11 and year 12 and um, obviously enjoyed rugby union the most. Um, rugby league was good as a young fella, but um, from the age of 13, it was mainly just rugby union from then on. So yeah, one, I was decent at it and then two, just enjoyment. And, you know, my dad and my, my uncles and all my fa extended family all love rugby union and they've played rugby union. So I think it was... Um, it's kind of in the family as well. So, yeah, it just all worked out well. Mm, no, it's awesome. It's, it's it's awesome to see, you know, athletes um, who just went out there and played many different sports when they were younger. Mm. So good on the parents for pushing them yeah. to play as many sports as they can and then eventually specializing in one sport. And if you weren't playing rugby, do you think you would be on Bondi Rescue, you know, being a lifesaver? Or... I don't I don't think so. I was, um, <laughs> I kind of only did that, did nippers and stuff because, you know, mum and dad thought it was a good thing to do, get in the water and do something on a Sunday and um, yeah, I don't know. Once nippers finished and you kind of join the, the surf club, I was down at Coogee, you know, you got to do some, um, they call it the, I can't remember what it's called now, but you go down on a Sunday and help out in the red and green, red and green, oh, sorry, the red and yellow costumes they wear down there. Um, yeah. I don't think I'd be on and down at Bondi run around anywhere. I don't think my skill set would help out much down there. <laughs> no, that's all good. So the last 12 months have been massive for you. You had a solid season for the Waratahs, which led to, you know, playing for Australia, which is awesome that they brought that back. And then eventually two caps for the Wallabies. Can you talk about that um, rugby season a bit more for us? Yeah, for sure. So um, obviously it was leading into last year, we knew it was going to be a tough one with the Waratahs, obviously coming off a zero win um, season, the, the season before, you know, new coach with DC, a um, few new signings. So it was obviously a very exciting period going into the year. Um, had a really good preseason, um, trained really well, had some good trials, won all our trial matches. And then, yeah, like you said, I started it 
started at 10 for the Tars and, you know, we started really well, got some wins on the board and a few close losses as well. Um, but yeah, just had some really good form. It was really enjoying my footy and then had a few injuries and then um, came back from then. And then when we made, we made the quarterfinals, unfortunately bowed out there, but, um, you know, it was pretty solid to make it that far from the year we had previously. And then, yeah, onto Aussie A, which is a great initiative I think they've brought back, which was awesome. You know, went to Fiji uh, for three games and then Japan for three games. Um, and that was super fun, you know, meeting all the other boys and had a bit of success over there, which was fun as well. And obviously helped my footy. Um, just playing at a, another level above super. Um, it's always going to help your footy. And, you know, it's pretty pleased to have played some good footy there and then obviously make the, the Wallabies squad. And, yeah, like I said, two caps. Um, one loss, one win. Um, that's rugby. You know, you're not going to win them all, but a lot of uh, a lot of learning experiences from Tars to Aussie A to Wallabies, and um, yeah, it was a huge year. But wouldn't have it any other way. And yeah, hopefully, you know, build on that into this year. That's nah, awesome. When you reflect back on that year, do you think that would have happened? Like when you're planning out your goals for 2022, did you have in mind? playing for Australia A and playing for the Wallabies? Like, was that in your mind, like, you knew you could get to that level? Um, yeah, it's a good question. One of my goals was to make the Wallaby squad last year. Um, wasn't to play a game or anything. It was just to make the squad. Um, so, yeah, in the back of my mind, yes, I knew I was good enough to do it. It just meant I had to play good footy, stay in the team. Obviously, we've got some good competition at the Tars in the positions I play, so I knew it was going to be tough. But, um, yeah, it was definitely a goal of mine, and, um, I was lucky enough to, you know, make the squad. And um, once I got there, I knew I was good enough to actually get on the field then and play some games. So, um, yeah, it just shows if you have if you have a goal in mind and you stick to it, like anything's possible. And, and yeah, now I know that um, I've done that and now hopefully can push forward. Mm, that's awesome. And the thing that resonates with me the most is you were enjoying your footy. You know, you mm. weren't just focusing too hard on the one goal is like, hey, I still got to enjoy myself and, and make the most of my time here with the Waratahs. And I think that's another key thing that helped you get to that Wallabies level was enjoy your footy, play the best that you can for the Waratahs and see what happens. Yeah, definitely. I think like from a young age, you know, my coaches, my dad, my mom, everyone said, just enjoy your footy. If, you, if you're having fun and you're enjoying your footy, you're most likely going to play your best footy. Um, so that's just what I try to do when I'm training, just try to have fun, enjoy it. Uh, obviously you're being serious as well at the same time but yeah the more you can enjoy your footy on the field like for me personally I feel like that's when I play my best footy yeah no, that's awesome so like I said I really enjoyed seeing yourself and other um, super rugby athletes get the opportunity to represent Australia with that Australia A side do you think this should become a regular thing now for Australia and for other big rugby nations as well yeah definitely um, like you said there was a lot of players who you know, like myself, we probably had goals of playing for the Wallabies last year and um, some made it, some probably didn't just on the fringe, but just that having that in-between area, for which is Aussie A, I think it's awesome, you know. You bring in coaches from Super Rugby clubs who get a chance to coach that higher level, which helps them as well. Um, boys who have excelled at Super Rugby gives them another chance to excel at higher levels. And, you know, we played the Japanese test side, um, which was awesome, like, 90% of their test side were playing, which was really cool. Um, the Fijian test side, Samoan test side, and Tonga had a couple injuries, but like, yeah, that's four test sides who you get to verse who you, which I haven't done in what, 10 years. So I think it's a yeah great initiative and I really hope they 
keep it going because, you know, I learn a lot from it. I probably wouldn't have played for the Wallabies if it wasn't for that Aussie A program because um, that's kind of pushed me through. So, um, yeah, for boys who are kind of coming through and on the fringe, I think it's a really, really good thing. And it's also a good thing to keep that talent here in Australia as well, you know. Maybe that one taste of going on a tour to Japan is enough for you to stay here and like, yeah, I really want to play for my country and, and I know I can get there instead of like, oh, yeah, I can't really see myself and maybe two or three positions behind um, that certain position and I might go try my luck overseas somewhere else. Yeah, definitely. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, you know, like you said, some boys – say at the Tars or Reds or wherever they are, you know, they they might be on the bench or they might not be getting many minutes, but then they find themselves in an Aussie A squad because they've played some good footy or the coach sees potential in them and they play one game against a test side and they win. They feel that winning, you know, culture in an Aussie team and they go, wow, like I really want to stick around. And that's what Gilly, who was our head coach for Aussie A, he was really big on driving that, you know, just like the enjoyment factor and a successful culture you know, really playing for your country, even though it's an A-side, but you're still playing for your country. Um, and I think all the boys on that tour really felt that. And, um, yeah, now everyone just wants wants another taste of it. Mm. And they were really good games as well. Like, we had some really close games, and then you had a game where you blew another team out. But they were very competitive, and it was just cool to see different combinations, you know, not, not the same combinations that we've been seeing for the Wallabies. It was different. Players were coming in and out and just getting the opportunity. So I think you'd be silly not to continue this mm. on because it's it's – just provided so much great opportunity for players. Yeah, hundred percent. Like you said, the different combinations, like people have always spoken about combinations and who's the best combination for the test side. And I think it just gave all the boys another shot and um, gave the test selectors, you know, more of a look at, at different combinations and who can put their hand up. And um, yeah, it was really cool and a lot of fun. Mm. And if you're not going to bring it back, then you really have to go back to bringing something like the NRC back because mm. as soon as the Super Rugby finishes, um, yeah, players go back to your Shoot Shield teams or here in Canberra go back to the John O'Dent Cup, but you need something to fill that gap because the Super Rugby season is not that long and it's hard for players to keep fit and strong, you know, just training out there at their facilities. They, they need to be playing rugby. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. Like the NRC, I've played – one or two seasons with the NRC, which was which was awesome. Um, but yeah, the my personal preference is the Aussie A program. Um, mm -hmm. I just think it's that next level up, gives players a good good experience into that test side. But um, yeah, like you said, if that's not gonna not gonna come back, I definitely feel like there should be something else. Um, just because boys need to keep playing footy to get better. So yeah, mm, that's awesome. So which position do you enjoy playing the most? Is it ten, fifteen, or is it a different position? Could be twelve, thirteen. Who knows? Um, yeah, no, definitely, definitely 10. Um, obviously, you know, I've played a fair bit of 10, fair bit of 15 for my whole life, really from a young age. Um, and it definitely helps in, you know, in selection, higher rep honors and stuff. It's good to, you know, be able to play certain positions, but yeah, definitely 10. I've feel like I play my best footy when I'm there. Um, you know, I've played for Aussie A for the Wallabies there now, so I feel comfortable in that role. Um, and yeah, now it's just about really executing and performing every game, getting some consistency and um, just really leading whatever team I'm playing in, just leading them around the park and trying to play my best footy there. Does your approach change when you're playing, like when you've been named at 10 compared to 15? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, I guess there's probably a little bit more pressure when you're at 10, purely just because, you know, you're the game leader. You make you make all the calls, um, you call in the shots, 
Um, you'd probably touch on the ball more than anyone else in the team, bar the, bar the halfback. Um, you know, when you're at 15, you you kind of don't have those pressure roles, you know, making the calls, um, you know, talking in huddles. You're probably going to talk a bit more at 10 than 15 just because you're that general who needs to lead everyone around. Um, but like physically wise, um, everything else, nothing changes, but it's probably just that little mental mental thing when you're at 10, you know, you've really got to be be on. You need to know your stuff um, because you're essentially marching the boys around. Mm, 100%. So what are the physical attributes needed to be successful for a number 10 in your eyes and then for a number 15 as well? Um, At 10, you're probably... Well, obviously, you've got to be a good defender because you're in the front line. So you've obviously got to be quite strong up top. Um, you've got to be quite quick because, well, I suppose your 10-meter acceleration needs to be quite quite good because you're not going to have as much room to run as a fullback. You know, you might get a little gap and you've got to get through that gap. Um, whereas at, at 15, you're obviously going to open up a bit more. You have a lot more space. So I guess your top-end speed will be a lot more important. Um, your aerial skills at 15 are more important. So you, you jump, um, getting up off the ground. Um, I guess your footwork, um, your agility and stuff is pretty important for both positions. Um, but then, yeah, I guess like 10 and 15, you know, you've got to be a good defender. You've got to be able to run with the ball. So you've got to be quite strong up top, have strong um, power through your legs. But yeah, nothing, no major differences. But I suppose at 15, just that top end speed because you're opening up a bit more and at 10, um, yeah, like I said before. No, it's awesome. Yeah, you definitely need uh, some strong hamstrings for the 15, just if you yeah. are opening up and getting some good meters per second. So definitely make sure you've got those good, uh, strong legs to be able to run that fast. 100%. So who's quicker, you or Tane, over the 10 meters and over, let's say, 40 meters? I'd say myself. Yeah? Yeah, okay. I'd, I'd, t- I'd take him on the speed. He knows that as well. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So... <laughs> How do you handle the the pressure and stress of goal kicking? You know, what advice do you have out there for people who struggle with that pressure? Because it's quite a lot of pressure. You know, you got the, the crowd, you know, getting into you, but you also may have just ran forty meters and you're out of breath. So, how do you handle the pressure from the crowd and the external noise, but also the pressure that you put on yourself? Yeah, it's a really good question. I've obviously struggled with that in the past. Um, you know, I had a mixed mixed year last year. You know, some games for the Tars kicked really well. Um, other games, you know, miss you miss a few easy kicks and then in your head you start thinking, what am I doing wrong? It might just be the smallest little thing, but you start, you know, thinking it's a lot bigger. Um, and then again, on the Wallabies tour, you know, I missed the kick against Italy and then come out against Wales and kick four from four. Like it's just, it's a tough, it's a very tough skill. Um, and I personally think it's more mental than actual physical. Um, but yeah, like, People have always said, you know, there's so much stress and pressure from the outside, which there is, you know, there's thousands of people watching you. It's a skill where you can easily get points for your team or you can easily not get points for your team. But like I said, it's a lot to do with the mental state you're in. Um, and if you don't if you don't worry about other people, if you just really hone in and zone into what you're doing at that moment, um, it makes it, it makes things a lot easier. Um, we've currently got a mental skills coach at the TARS, uh, D- David King. And I'm doing a lot of work with him, um, you know, on the mental side of things, not just goal kicking, but everything else. But I'm finding that's really helping already. And, um, but yeah, like if you go into goal kicking, obviously practice throughout the week, you do all your practice. That obviously helps just so you know you're confident going into the game. Um, different scenarios, you know, put yourself under pressure at training. 
Uh, if it's windy, kick into the wind just to change it up, see how you change your ball placement. And then when you get into a game, you know you're confident. Um, and then, like I said, it's all mental from there. You know you're good enough. You know you've done the reps. It's all mental. Sometimes, you know, you might have an off day. You might kick the ball not, not how you want to. Um, but then it's just the ability to really come back the next kick or the next week and switch back on, know that you're good enough, and then put them through the post. Like I said, that Italy game missed the kick, but then throughout the week had a good good week of prep, came back against Wales and didn't miss one. So, um, yeah, it's it's tough. There is a lot of pressure, but, um, yeah, the way you kind of move on as quickly as possible and just trust your process, uh, the better you'll be. Yeah, and I love that word process. It comes back to that, like what's your process to get you under control, slow your breathing down, you yeah. know, Get, get rid of that noise from the crowd and from the other from the opposition and just get back to what you know how, what you know works really well for you and just set up go through the motions mm. focus and then kick and if you do that well majority of the time it's going to happen it's going to work out well for you but yeah. sometimes you miss and you just gotta I keep saying this quote but you just gotta ha have a memory like a goldfish just forget about it Definitely. think okay that's what didn't work properly sweet I'm gonna fix it and um, try again. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, couldn't say it better. So when you are deciding who's going to be the goal kicker for the week, what what is that process like? I've always thought about that. It's like, how do they know who mm. to pick for the goal kicker? And when you are having that competition, are your teammates just talking a, a load of shit to you and just saying anything <laughs> to get you off your game to, to miss that kick? Um, yeah, it's, it's a weird one because, you know, sometimes you're in the team and you might be the only goal kicker. So, you know, yeah, you just know straight away you're going to be the goal kicker. Um, whereas a couple of times, you know, I've played with Will Harrison at 10 and 15 and you both obviously want to goal kick and you're not sure who's going to goal kick. So a couple of times, you know, even down at Ramwick and at the Tars last year, you know, the coach puts you in a, in a kickoff essentially. So on the Tuesday after training or Saturday, his six to eight positions will have a kickoff, whoever gets the most kicks on the weekend. And yeah, I remember last year we had one at the Tars and a couple of the boys were standing around, you know, heckling us and... <laughs> Because they don't, they don't really care who kicks as long as we get our goals. So they're just trying to have a bit of fun with it and heckle us. And um, yeah. But yeah, it is, it is an interesting one because obviously, if you're a goal kicker, you want to kick. You know, you want to get points for your team. You want to win games. You want to, you know, assist wherever you can. So, um, but yeah, it either sometimes it comes down to the coach, his personal preference, or like I said, he wants to have a kickoff, have a kickoff. Um, but then other times, if you're the only goal kicker, it makes it easier. You just know, all right, I'm kicking. Go through your process and. Um, yeah, it works itself out from there. That's awesome. Who are some of the the players in the team that think that they can goal kick and want to be oh. the goal kicker for the team? Is there anyone who stands out? Yeah, one that comes straight to mind is Jake Gordon. Um, he's always telling us us fly halves how to kick, why he should why he should be kicking. Um, it's all a load of nonsense, you know. We've seen him kick and he can't kick a ball for <laughs> off a, he can't kick a ball off a tee for for anything. But um. Yeah, he's definitely one. He always tries to join in on our goal-kicking sessions, but we just tell him to, to get out of there. Um, who else? I'd say Mahe Vailanu, the hooker. He He's actually not a bad kicker, but he thinks he's a very, very good kicker. He's always trying to kick. A lot of those forwards always have a muck around after training, but uh, we try to shoot him off the field as quick as we can because they just get in our way. Yeah, that's nah, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a thing that you see at training all the time, just forwards yeah. wanting to be backs in, in that kicking yeah. area. and surprisingly some of them can kick quite well but yeah, i don't can. think they have the capacity sometimes to recover and be able to kick in a game yeah definitely not yeah so you, you sort of already answered this one but when you're not being a professional athlete 
what do you like to do in your spare time? But like, what TV shows are you watching? What are some things like, yeah, on TV that you watch in the moment? Is there any other secret hobbies or interests or um, books that you're reading or, or anything like that? Yeah, like I said before, I love to go to the beach a fair bit. You know, when the weather's good, obviously in Sydney, we're quite lucky with some warm weather. Um, so I love to get down to the beach, uh, go for a surf now and then when my body's feeling feeling up to it. Um, love to play golf. Uh, like I said, a few of the boys play golf, so I love to get out there when I can on our day off. Uh, as long as I'm in a cart, I hate walking the golf course, mm. especially especially during the season when your legs are getting tired. But Especially 18 holes as well. Yeah, always makes it tough. Um, what else? Um, I'm at uni as well, so I'm I'm doing one subject at the moment. Um, which you know, I'm, I've only got two subjects left until I finish my my course. So I'm just working my way through that um, whenever I can. So the day off helps for that as well. Um, and then TV shows, I'm not really watching any at the moment, but I'm more a movies man. So I kind of watch. My favorite is like, you know, heist. So any any money heist or bank like robberies, that kind of stuff. I don't know why, just kind of gets me going. So I like watching that. Um, And then book, I'm actually reading a book called Breathe at the moment. Um, A fair few athletes have read it. It's just about how to, uh, not how to breathe, but the essentials of breathing and how you should be breathing compared to how majority of people breathe and the benefits it has on performance, you know, daily life. Um, It's really interesting at the moment, but yeah, it's a couple of things I do. Yeah, it's it's definitely is interesting breathing, and I'm not too sure if the Brumbies sort of started that trend, but it was really clear for them like a few years back that they'll come together. It doesn't matter if they get scored upon or score points. They come together, get one to two breaths, and then mm. talk. Yeah. And I've just loved seeing that, and I've brought it with to the rugby team that I've worked with, and just athletes as well. It's just like just take a couple of breaths before anyone just starts uh, yapping away. Calm yourself and then talk. I think that's been yeah. a massive game changer for the Brumbies. Do the Waratahs do something like that as well? Yeah, we do. I, th- I think a lot of teams these days do that. I don't know if they know that it works. Like, I, I don't know if it's actually beneficial or if it's just kind of catching on to every team, but um, I think it works. You know, you come into a huddle and, you know, it gives you five to 10 seconds just to slow your thoughts, process something, get a breath, and then on to the next job. So how it works for us, our captain or our, our halfbacks usually, um, have a couple breaths with the team and then the 10 or the defensive leader will uh, relate their, their next message. Um, and I, I, I really like it. Like I said, it can slow your thought, give the boys five to 10, you know, just to calm down a little bit and then, and then focus on the next, um, I guess, focus point uh, moving forward. But yeah, like I said, reading this book, it's definitely opened my mind to how we really should be breathing and different ways to different techniques, I guess, to uh, breathe and meditate and, um, yeah, I think it's working. So, yeah, it's really interesting. It's probably good that you tell the halfbacks to take a breath. You know, they're always yapping away and barking yeah. orders. Like, hey, hey, calm down. Take, take two Definitely. breaths for me. 100%. 100%. So, how are the Waratahs looking for the 2023 Super Rugby season? Yeah, look, we're, we're feeling really good. Really good. Um, obviously, the whole coaching staff, it's their second year in the program. Well, DC's second year in the in the program. Um, he's working really well with all the assistants. There's a good crew of them there. Um, they're really, really pushing for for a better season this year. Um, and like I said, most of our squad has has returned from last year with a few extra signings who who will be very good for us. Um, and yeah, you know the boys are training really well at the moment. Um, training hard, 
Nick Lumley, our, our head of performance, who who joined us last year, he's he's been unreal, you know, pushing the boys real hard, um, doing two gym sessions a day, big field sessions. So the boys are looking good, in good shape. And, um, yeah, we're setting our goals high. We want to make the top four this year. Um, that's the first goal. And then, obviously, once you make the top four, anything can happen. Um, everyone knows that. So winning the title is the, the long-term goal. But top four, that's our aim. And I think all the boys and all the coaches know that we can achieve that. So, yeah, it should be good. That's awesome. So what are the key areas that the Waratahs want to improve this year after having a really good season last year? Um, good question. I think one of the main ones is, I guess, you know, we lost a lot of the games we lost last year were, I think, within seven points. Um, so I guess just converting those tight losses into tight wins. Um, you know, it's it's easy to say, but there's looking back at those games, there's small moments like before halftime, after halftime. Um, you know, you let a try in, and essentially that's the game winning try. You don't know it at the moment, but. So I think our, you know, our defense really showed up last year compared to the year before. Um, so that's something that we've been really driving on in preseason. Jason Gilmore's done a really good job. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of wrestling and stuff. So that's a big focus point for us, just being really um, hard, tough and, um, you know, really coming to the floor with our defense there. And then, like I said, just winning those pre pressure moments. So if we can turn three or four of those losses, real tight losses into real tight wins, That'll go a long way into us making the top four. Um, and then I guess, like I said, we, we probably missed a few opportunities last year. You know, we'd make a good line break and then you should be scoring the next phase, but something would happen and we wouldn't score. So it's just those little moments, especially before halftime and after halftime, where you can capitalise on them um, and really change the momentum, momentum of the game um, to, like I said, turn the tight losses into tight wins. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be really exciting to see how the Waratahs go this year and, just like you said, you you went from a season of not winning to then mm. making the quarterfinals, and then who knows what's going to happen. And it's just really exciting yeah. to see, you know, Australian rugby get that spark back and really competing against those New, New Zealand sides. And going into a World Cup year, it's 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 really going to be exciting to see who puts their hand up to, to grab a spot in the Wallaby squad, but also perform at Super Rugby. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, you know, we're versing Kiwi sides as well, and that's been a major focus of both DC and uh, Nick Lumley had a performance. You know, we kind of felt last year we got dominated a little bit against the Kiwi sides, even though we beat a couple of them. Just physically, you know, they're, they're just the next next step ahead. So that's why I've been working really hard in the gym, you know, with Nick Lumley. A lot of boys trying to put on weight. Um, a lot of boys getting stronger, which is good hitting PBs and stuff. So I think a lot of people will see a change when we come up against the Kiwi sides. Our footy won't have changed much, but I think we'll be a lot more physically present. And um, like I said, especially in defense, we can, um, we're going to make some big changes there. That's awesome. Exciting times ahead. Mm. So looking toward the Rugby World Cup, how do the Wallabies put themselves in the best possible position to compete and play their best rugby? Oh, I guess an easy one is probably to say have everyone fit. You know, there's <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of injuries over the past 18 months, um, which, which never helps, you know, you, Obviously, you can't help injuries, but it is very detrimental to a team when you're trying to make com uh, combinations and stuff like that. So, yeah, guess number one, have everyone fit. Number two, like I said, combinations. You know, last year, I think I think last year, the Wallabies used five different players at fly half, uh, me included. It's, it's not ideal when, you know, there's a World Cup coming up and you want to try and build good combinations. But like I said, it doesn't help when there's injuries and 
players playing overseas and stuff like that. It's always tough for the coaches. Um, but yeah, combinations is a big one. The more you can stick with a team, I believe, for majority of games, you know, the better you're going to play in the long term. Um, and then obviously with the new coach, it's it's a very exciting time. You know, Dave Rennie was awesome. Um, he was good for me, good for the boys. Bit of a shock when we heard he was leaving. Um, I think it was a shock to everyone. We're like, shit, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, big shock. Especially we had a camp the week before and we were kind of, mm. you know, setting out our plan for the year. Um, but yeah, that was a massive shock. But I think with that comes Eddie Jones. Everyone knows what he can do, what he can bring. Um, so yeah, it's very exciting. And I think if he can, I guess, select a squad um, who he thinks can win the World Cup in this short period and really bring them together and build combinations, like I said. Um, there's no reason why, you know, Australia can't win the World Cup this year. Yeah, it's, again, it's it's really exciting. And even prior to Dave Rennie being sacked, I was still very excited for the Wallabies because on that spring tour, or autumn tour, depending where you're talking about, but yeah. we had some close losses, but we weren't far off. Yeah. You know, we really weren't far off. And like you said, we've had quite a few injuries, different combinations. And even with those combinations, we were still able to compete and really give it to, you know, France, Ireland, and yeah, like we're not far off where everyone says, oh, Australian rugby's fallen off quite a bit. Yeah, it, it may have, but we're still competing. We've still got some really good talent and we, we need to back this talent and really support it because we're not far off from, from winning games and really being or getting back to our best rugby. Yeah, you're right. Like at the end of the at the end of the tour last year, you know, we all sat down and Dave Rennie spoke about, you said, you know, we could have easily gone through this tour, five wins and no losses. It was just mm -hmm. that close. Um, and again, we could have gone through zero wins and five losses. All the games were that close. But like you said, it just showed that the the squad we had, even though there was a lot of injuries, the squad still showed up. Like you said, the France game, the Ireland game, like they all come down to tiny little moments. Um, like I was speaking about before, you know, where you can win tight games, lose tight games. Um, but all the boys know that, you know, we could have won five and lost none on that tour. And I guess that's as as hard as it was only winning two games on that tour, it, it does give us a bit of confidence, you know, moving into this year, knowing that we can compete with any team on any team in the globe. Um, if you play your best footy for 80 minutes, um, you know, we could beat anyone. And I think, especially in a World Cup year, a lot of things can happen. So I think if you can get a team on the park who's who's good enough, which I think like we were saying before, the fortunate thing is last year we went through a lot of players because of injury. So there's good depth now building in Australia. And um, I think that just helps and that'll give the coaches a lot of confidence moving into this year. Yeah. I think it's going to have some positive headaches as well. Like shit, everyone's yeah. playing well and hopefully everyone's still available, you know, but like yeah. all these positive headaches, like who am I going to pick here? I've got so many options now. So mm. I think we're, we're turning those negatives into positives and 100%. I'm really excited for the world cup, but also really excited for super rugby as well. I just wanted to start now, to be honest. I know. I know. <laughs> everyone does. Everyone can't wait. Yeah. Hi everyone. We just want to take a quick break from this episode. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far and all the content we have produced. We appreciate all the support from our listeners and followers so far. If you haven't already, sign up to Elite Rugby SNC blog today. We provide free exclusive content every single week to our subscribers. You'll find our website link in our bio below. Remember to like, subscribe and share Elite Rugby SNC on all social media platforms to all your family and friends. Thanks again for all your support and now back to the episode. So how has strength and conditioning training helped you to become a better rugby athlete? Um, 
Oh, massively. I think, you know, I've never been the biggest, biggest bloke, strongest bloke, uh, always been pretty quick and stuff, but, you know, I've never been the biggest bloke, but over the past three years, I've definitely seen a change in, well, obviously when you start playing professional footy, you start feeling the hits more, you start, there's bigger blokes, like it's men's footy. So um, for me personally, it's been a goal of mine, you know, to put on weight, um, working with the coaches and the, the strength staff, I need to put on weight, you know, playing at 10, you need to be strong in that front line, like I said earlier. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's of huge importance, you know, you can't have a, like I said before, you're versing the Kiwi sides, you need to be strong, even though it is footy and you're using your skills, when it comes down to one-on-one or two-on-two, you need to be able to dominate dominate those contacts. Um, so that's why it all comes down back to the strength and conditioning. Like I said, Nick Lumley has got us doing a lot of lot of work in the gym, uh, a lot of fitness stuff that includes, you know, down-ups, uh, footy-related stuff. Um, but, yeah, for me personally, I've gotten a lot stronger over the past couple of years and I've definitely seen, um, you know, benefits and um, improvements um, on the footy field. Um, just, you know, in defensive work, in ball-carrying, Gives you more confidence, you know, to take the line on because you know you've got good power in your legs to get through the line or you can fend someone off because you're strong up top. Um, like I said, if, you, if you're not strong in those areas, you're obviously going to gonna fall behind a little bit. So, um, yeah, that's why everyone, you know, it's, that's why it's moving forward uh, quite, rapid, quite rapidly. Mm. Well, I think the good thing about your story is you, you have all the speed and, and physical attributes needed to play at 10 or 15, and then you're slowly adding on the strength and size. It's not just um, you, like you're going to blow up and then you're losing your speed. It's that complementary of we're still going to grow your speed, but we're slowly going to get you built up. I see that sometimes, unfortunately, with athletes like, oh, I just need to get stronger and, and bigger. Yeah. So they do that hypertrophy bodybuilding program, blow up, and yeah. you've actually lost the strengths that made you unique as a player. You know, So if you can maintain both of them, build them both up together, you're just going to reap the reap the rewards out, yeah. out there on the field. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's that's one thing that a lot of players, you know, worry about these days when coaches are saying, "Yeah, you got to put on weight, you got to get stronger, this and that." Especially for players like me, you kind of your first thought is, "Oh, like, will I lose my speed? Will will this overtake, you know, my running game, which is one of my strengths?" But you know, these days, every coach and every strength and conditioning coach, they they know exactly what they're doing, so. Um, yeah, they know that you need to get bigger, but they also know that that's your strength. We'll keep working on your speed. You know, we'll do more speed work so you don't lose that, but at the same time, you're getting stronger. Um, you know, they, they, they work very well um, to benefit each individual uh, based on their strengths and then just build up the, the weaknesses or work-ons, um, just chip at it bit by bit, and then hopefully one day you turn out that not the perfect player. I don't think there is a perfect player, but, you know, close enough to, to that one day. I think the New Zealand uh, listeners would say, hey, there is a perfect player. His name is Richie, McC- Richie McCaw. And yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> He's a god in their eyes. Um, yeah, 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 he is. He is pretty good. So what does your strength conditioning program currently look like um, this week? Yeah, so um, Monday, so Monday mornings, uh, backs and forwards always split. So backs will go in the gym, we'll do a good upper body session. Um, solid session of upper body and then in the afternoon. So every every training day we have, uh, we do a big session in the morning and then like a upper body pump in the other just to put a bit more size on. So Monday morning, big upper body session in the morning, upper body pump in the other. Tuesday, big lower body 
session in the morning, upper body pump in the other. Uh, Thursday, same, big lower body session in the morning, another upper body pump in the other. And then Friday, uh, just the one big upper body session. Um, and this week we've got a Watt Bike. It's called the Watt Bike Championships. Everyone's got to get on the Watt Bike and you're in teams and you've got to pump out. I don't know what it is, but the big boys, or the small boys don't like it, but the big boys, that's mm. something that they can excel at. Mm. Does, does, like, does anyone wear the, uh, you know, the track cycling or the, the road cycling gear, you know, all the, the tight clothing and stuff like that? No, nah, no one does, but we've actually, we've actually had a few chats around it as like a punishment, you know, if yeah. we, we do play a fines every Monday and one of them, we haven't done it yet, but it'd be a good one to do. You know, if you get fined, you need to, anytime you're on the Watt bike, you should wear a full, full cycling outfit and helmet. Yeah. It'd be pretty funny. That's awesome. I'm really looking forward to seeing these, um, you know, player pitches or the, like the intros on Stan rugby. Because mm. if you're doing this much upper body work, the guys folding their arms <laughs> open over those those biceps should be popping out of the sleeves. I know there's a some of the boys walking around training at the moment. Huge Charlie Gamble. He, I didn't think he would get any bigger, but every day he walks in, you're just like, wow, like this bloke is huge. There's a few of the boys who are like that, and yeah, they they don't wear shirts very often, but um, mm. but yeah, I, I guess they don't have to when they've got bodies like that. Yeah, for sure, trying to show it off. It's awesome. Yeah. So what makes a good teammate on and off the rugby field? Um, oh, let's go on the field first, I guess. Someone who you can trust. So for me personally, I like someone who knows their knowledge. If I'm calling a play, they know exactly what they're doing. They go, yep, sweet. They're in the right position. They're talking constantly. Um, you just you can just trust them. You know, they're not going to let you down. Whether that's in defense, you know, they're, they're going to put their body on the line whether they're a good defender or not, they're going to put their body on the line there. They'll, they'll get up straight away. They'll fill the line um, in attack. Like I said, they'll... they'll talk to you. Um, Aysen, it's going to go a long way. Um, and then off the field, I guess, um, same again, you know, if boys are just working hard, um, doing the extras, doing their whole gym session, doing their recovery, um, but then also just having fun, you know, enjoying themselves off the field. That's when you know you've got a good teammate. I think sometimes there's blokes who are so serious, they forget to have fun or enjoy, you know, their time off the field. And that can kind of you know, bring other people down. But I just love the blokes who work real hard on the field, work hard off the field when the time's right. And then when we've got downtime, you know, chill out, play ping pong, have a coffee, have a laugh. Um, yeah, it's just good company to be around. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And, you just need to have that outlet from rugby because yeah. we can get so so caught up with the plays and the analytics and we can watch so much film and, and everything like that. Yeah. But you, you need to have that outlet, enjoy something else, enjoy life, enjoy family and friends, enjoy each other's company and mm. well, no, go watch another sport as well. Just completely yeah. switch off. 100%. 100%. So who is the best and worst teammates to room with in your experience? Ooh. In my experience? Um Oh, worst, I'd have to say Angus Bell. Um, you, uh, usually, you you room with, you know, someone in your position or numbers base, so like one, two, three, four. But for some reason, last year, when we were in Melbourne, one of the props got sick and had to go home. And that's when I was coming back from injury. So I got flown into Melbourne for that game. So I had to room with Angus Bell, um, unfortunately. Um, great bloke. I love, I love Billy, but he's just... You know, he will eat the house down and he'll leave his rubbish everywhere and he's bloody, he snores, he's big and stinky. He's, yeah, he's terrible. Um, the best, he'll be the best. 
Who would I room with? I'd probably have to say I'll probably throw Will Harrison in there. Uh, room with him a fair bit. Um, I guess we're pretty similar. We have similar interests. We're both pretty, you know, laid back when we're off the field. Um, probably helps that we've known each other for a long time. So it always helps when you have a roomie who you know, you know, it's, it's comfortable. You know, it's not awkward. Yeah. Um, he's he's clean. He goes to bed early. Doesn't snore. So yeah, there's not much. There's not much wrong room with him. Um, so yeah, probably those two. Sounds like the perfect roommate, Will Harris, and also the perfect golf partner as well. Yeah, he's not the best on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So no, good. moving on, got a few more questions before we wrap this up. Uh, the Triple H, my favorite segment, is just getting to know you a bit better. So hardship, yep. can you think of a hardship in your rugby career that stands out so far? And what did you learn for this hardship and how did you get through it? Yeah, um, good question. I'll probably have to say probably last year, to be honest, when you know I started at 10 at the start of the season for the Tars, you know, kind of established myself, re-signed the year before, um, was feeling really good, uh, playing good footy, you know, good, making good combos with the boys and then obviously got injured, um, which sucked. And then another good mate of mine, Tane, comes in at 10, starts playing some unreal footy. Um, and then I come back from injury and then I found it really hard to get back into that 10 role. You know, DC said to me, mate, you were – you were playing some great footy beforehand, but we just can't drop Tane. He's playing, he's playing too well, which is fair enough. He was playing some good footy. Um, and that was really tough. You know, it's always tough when, you know, someone else is playing your position. Um, and I found it really tough to take, you know, I was playing really well beforehand. I just thought, you know, I might just slot back in there when I come back, but um, it doesn't happen like that. You know, in pro sport, it's a cutthroat, um, cutthroat uh, industry. You know, you get injured, you might, never make the team again. So I found that really tough. Um, obviously made my way back into the team at fullback. So I was starting, you know, you can't complain when you're, you know, starting for a super team, but you know, I, I wanted to play 10. Um, so I found it tough, but sometimes you just got to take it on the chin and, um, you know, DC said I wasn't doing anything wrong. I tamed, they just couldn't drop him. He was playing well. So I just took it on the chin, just worked hard for the team. Obviously it's a team sport. So, um, you know, put my head down, kept working hard. Um, and then ended up, like I said, starting at fullback for the last couple of games, which was good fun. Um, we played some good footy. Um, and then I guess once the season finished, um, I kind of just refreshed my mind and thought, all right, the season's done now. Payne obviously finished at 10. Um, I'll just keep working hard and hopefully get back there this year. And then obviously Aussie A comes around and I played some good footy there and kind of established myself as the 10 again. Um, and then, you know, um, my confidence was back. I was playing some good footy and then obviously the Wallabies made the Wallabies and um, that was kind of just a cherry on top, you know, from the start of the year where you're starting 10, injuries happen, you don't get selected again. Um, your mindset, you know, you can kind of get into the negative thoughts and whatnot. Um, but just to finish finish how I did in the Wallabies, you know, with that 10 jersey, um, yeah, it was a really cool way to finish. And when I look back at it now, it's a really – it's quite cool looking back at it and um yeah like i always say to people you know you you have depth, you have lows and highs but the more you can kind of just stay in the middle don't ride them too high don't ride them too low the better you'll be overall and that's what i tried to do and um yeah it all worked itself out in the end uh finishing with the wallabies so yeah it was, it was a pretty cool year mm, it's just it's just riding that wave you know like you said yeah. you're gonna come up you're gonna come down and just 
keep writing and trust that process and you'll get back to where you need to be. And yeah, if not, at least you're, you're working hard and, and still enjoying yeah. yourself along the way. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And like, like I said, like Tane's one of my best mates, always Will Harrison. And it's quite, DC always says it, it's quite a unique situation. Three young tens at the same club who are all, you know, quite good, good players in Australian rugby, you know, all vying for a Wallaby sport essentially. So, you know, when one of us, don't get picked. We're always still helping each other. We're always, we hang out off the field. Uh, we're always competing on the field, but you know, we're best mates. So we love it when the other bloke gets picked, but at the same time, you're obviously shattered because you want to be there. But um, yeah, like I said, you know, just got to put your head down, work hard and help the bloke who's starting. Cause essentially it's a team sport, but um, just keep working hard because you obviously want to get that spot back. Um, yeah. Like I said, it was a cool year. Good way to finish. Yeah. And that's, that. that's the key to it is, if you are competing with someone for the same position, like you're competing to help each other get better and really Definitely. push to see who gets that position. And you're not throwing shade onto the team like, oh, he got picked and I mm. should have been there. It's, it's you com- you're competing together for the team, for that spot. And if you, if you don't get picked, but he gets picked, awesome. Just keep working and, and see what happens. But I, I love that. And I think that's really essential to any sport is being able to compete and make your teammates better. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So... Who is your hero and why is this person your hero? Or if you have multiple heroes? Um, oh, I probably can't go past my mum and my dad. Um, you know, just because pro- many people probably always say it, but um, honestly, you know, they, like I said before, the sports I played when I was a young kid, you know, they sign you up for that. They drive you every weekend to your sport. They, dad coached me a lot when I was younger in all the junior rugby teams. Um, Mum always, you know, drive me to training, drive me to games. They still come, you know, they flew overseas to watch me for the Wallabies last year. Um, so I think, you know, having them um, kind of as mentors and, you know, as your parents, you can't get better heroes than that. Um, if I had to choose a, a rugby hero, um, I'd probably have to say, it's a good question. I never really had like any heroes when I was when I was growing up, but, just blokes I used to love watching. Um, obviously, Steve Larkin was awesome to watch, just the way he plays. Um, you know, kind of similar stature to me, tall, not the biggest bloke, but he just moves so well with the ball. Um, and I kind of attribute my game a little bit to his. And obviously, as I got older, watching Bernard Foley, um, loved watching him play. Um, some of the stuff he did um, back in the day, he was just freakish. And, you know, he's still still running around for the Wallabies now, which is awesome at, at his age. Um but yeah, probably those two uh, on the rugby on the rugby field. They were awesome to watch. That's awesome, and you get to uh, go against Steve Larkin. You know, round one of the Super mm. Rugby. So that, that's that's kind of going to be a pretty cool moment for yourself. Yeah, that'd be very cool. He, I think that's good for the Brumbies having him down there. Obviously, helping out Noah and um, Deborah Sini, the tens down there. He'll be awesome for them. He came away with us in the for Australian under twenties as like a back skills coach, and he was awesome. The the wealth of knowledge that we learned from him was was uh, huge for us. And um, I've had a few chats with him back and forth just about rugby. And yeah, he's a great man. And um, yeah, it'd be cool to go against him. Yeah, that's awesome. So highlight, what is the main highlight that stands out in your rugby career so far? Oh, that's a good question. Um, obviously, playing for the Wallabies is definitely number one. Um, like I said, my debut didn't really go to plan. Um but you know you're still playing for your country. I was quite, yeah, you know, I was lucky because I got another cap. My my highlight's probably the second cap, to be honest. 
playing at Principality Stadium in front of 70,000, starting at number 10, my first starting game. Um, that was just crazy. I've never experienced anything like that. Um, so, yeah, probably just that tour was probably the highlight of my career. Um, my first Wallabies tour, you know, my mum and dad came over for it, which was awesome. My uncle um, getting the debut was awesome. And then starting at number 10 in that second game, getting the win was awesome. So I'll probably have to say just that whole tour, the whole experience ending in uh, starting Jersey was really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. It would have been incredible to play in front of that crowd with that atmosphere and yeah. everyone booing against you with only a small yeah. couple of uh, Wallabies fans in that crowd and, and to get a really good win. Um, mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. So if you could only give one or two points of advice for rugby athlete, rugby athletes out there, what would you say to them? I've uh, kind of touched on one of them already, just enjoyment. Um, like I always, I say it all the time to teams I coach or young young players, you know, if you enjoy your footy, you're going to play your best footy. That's how I see it. Um, and you, you start playing sport or rugby at a young age, you know, to have fun with your friends on the weekend. It's never really too serious when you're young, when you're a young fella, you just come out on the weekend and have fun and play some footy and, you know, see your mates. So I think if you can carry that through to a professional scene, if you, if young boys or girls make it, you can carry that enjoyment factor all the way through. I think that goes a long way. And, um, you know, Dave Rennie made a big, big point of it on the tour last year, just to really enjoy the tour, obviously work hard and play good footy, but, you know, enjoy it, have fun. That's the reason we start playing footy. Um, so just, yeah, if you can keep enjoying your footy all the way through, that's massive. And then probably the second one is just listen to your coaches. Um, it's a lot of people always say it as well, but like over the years, I've had so many different coaches in different sports but every coach has a different outlook on the way they want to play, especially rugby. Um, you know, they probably come from different countries, different areas, different ideologies. So the more you can actually listen to them and not just let it go in one ear out the other, I guess it, you, you learn a lot more, your knowledge becomes more powerful. And um, especially when you make the professional stage, the more knowledge you have, you know, the better you're going to be. So yeah, if you can listen to your coaches, um, you know, more times than not, um, it'll help. It'll help a big deal. I think every coach is is nodding and agreeing. Like, yes, <laughs> listen to me, okay? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Ah, that's awesome. So, who should be my next guest on the podcast? Is there any uh, old or current teammates that should jump on and join me for a chat? Um, probably a good one, actually. I I mentioned him before, the big Charlie Gamble. Um. I'm not sure if you've had him on before. I don't think you have. Not yet. Have yeah, reached nah. out to him. He hasn't checked his DMs okay. yet, so I'll, I'll let he him might know. have to help me. Because he's you probably you've probably heard of his story coming through rugby and stuff. It's a it's a really good story, and um, just to see where he's got to. You know, he just recently made the Wallabies camp. Um, yeah, it's a sick story, and um, like I said, he's he's one of the bigger blokes going around, so he could give you some good insights to his strength and conditioning as well. And um, yeah, I reckon he'd be really good to have on. Man, awesome, and he's got a great moustache as well. He like, does. He does. It's a cracker. Yeah. So where can listeners find you on social media if they do want to reach out or just keep up to date with your story? Um, yeah, mainly probably just Instagram is probably the best one. Um, I don't even know what my username is now. Ben underscore Donaldson or something like that. Um, but yeah, reach out if you want. No dramas there. I liked, I like when, you know, I had a fair few people reach out to me um, when I made the Wallabies last year, you know, just people who I don't know and, I love saying that. And I try to respond to a lot of people as well, even if I don't know them. Um, they make the effort to reach out. So may as well make the effort to, to go back at them. So 
yeah, if you want to go for it, but you don't have to, no harm. Yeah, that's awesome. So thanks for joining me today, Ben. It's been awesome to get to understand your uh, story and like just reflect on what a season it was last year. But it's really exciting to see what, what the future has in store for you and, and the Waratahs and the Wallabies. And yeah, it's just been awesome to learn from yourself with all those really great insights on goal kicking and just mm. more the mental side of the game as well. So yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been awesome. No, no worries. Thanks for having me. It's been a good chat. Really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Elite Rugby SNC podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and rate Elite Rugby SNC on Spotify and YouTube, and make sure you follow us on Instagram. Sign up to come a beast via the link in the description or via Instagram page. Also, don't wait, make that good decision, and join Elite Rugby SNC today and take your game to the next level. Thanks for listening.